Oh, I'm ready. I'm just just oozing readiness. Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth, the show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. This is the David Allen Show, finally back again uh, after... Uh, a, a hiatus is that the right word yeah live to us oh, live to us. <laughs> <laughs> we're back um uh, david is here surprisingly in Surprising. studio who knew perhaps one of the last times in studio perhaps perhaps um because uh he has decided to abandon ship abandon ship and uh leave well, you know, kinda, kinda, of. mm-hmm, yeah. sure. Um, but that's we, what rats do. <laughs> oh, we have the peanut gallery here today, also. Um, we will still be doing the show, but unfortunately, we'll be in separate parts of the world. It'll, it'll be like, which uh, could be fun. I, I think it'll be more flexible. Mm-hmm. Well, be- and it'll be interesting because then we we probably will have nothing in common anymore. It, well, yeah, and where where I'm going to be at. It's the environment is very different than here. Mm, there's measles there. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> Get your vaccine, everybody. Yes. Um, sad note today. Yeah. Greg Allman died. Oh. Now, was he married to Cher? Um. Greg and Cher or Sonny and Cher? Greg Allman's most visible contribution to rock music is as lead singer, organist, and songwriter for the Allman Brothers Band. Yeah, he's married to Cher. By his brother Dwayne. In 1969, he never threatened to eclipse the band that carries his family name. But he has found occasional success and popularity with his solo work, which is distinctly different, more soulful, and less focused on high wattage virtuosity. Mm. He's married six times. Yikes. At some point, you just give up don't yeah. you? well at some points maybe you got to think hey maybe it's not her it's maybe it's me you know <laughs> he also uh that, that presumes the wives were only married once also oh that's true he uh had a liver transplant in 2010 so that's probably what he died of something with his that was liver transplant yeah he had high hepatitis c yikes Oh, and also, uh, <laughs> the late and great Zbigniew Brzezinski died yesterday, I think, or today. Oh, yes. And he was um, quite possibly evil. <clears throat> quite. The, the father, no, definitely. The father of Mika of the Morning Joe show. Uh-huh. You ever watch that show? I, I've, I've seen clips of the show. <laughs> but Have you seen the... The SNL parodies of the show now? Because it turns out old Joe Scarborough and Mika are engaged now. Oh, they are engaged. They're engaged, yeah. It, because it, I know they, they had... They made it official. They're out in public. It's Facebook official. 
So they had an affair, and she divorced oh, yeah. her husband last year, and mm-hmm. then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Um, and uh, Hillary Clinton is back. Back in the news again. Really? What happened? And it's weird. Did she I, eat a baby? Oh, I didn't see that part. Oh. Hillary Clinton emerged from the woods to give a commencement address at... From the woods? <laughs> she didn't really I'm come sure from the woods. She came sneaking out. One of the staffers found her. That's why she always wears red, because then you can't see the stains as well. Wellesley College on Friday? Wellesley? Mm-hmm. That'd be yesterday. Today, by the way, May 27, 2017. Memorial weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weekend that we honor... And remember those that have given their all for our great We honor freedoms, and give freedom. Homage. 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 We give homage <laughs> and honor them. But Hillary, uh, naturally, the speech was filled with left wing applause lines targeting Trump uh, that showed Clinton is still a better, or sorry, still bitter about losing the election in November. No, no, no. I, I don't know how that's possible. Number one, let's see. Here are the five dumbest things that she said. Wow. At her commencement address. Really? Number one. You can only, you can do five? Only five. Oh, just in this commencement. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Uh, Clinton said that leaders that lie are a threat to freedom. (laughs) (laughs) A classic pot calling the kettle a black moment. Oh my goodness, that is funny. Quote. Oh. As the history... As the history majors among you here today know all too well, when people in power invent their own facts and attack those who question them, it I can mark not have sex with that woman. the beginning of the end of a free society. Oh. This is coming from a woman who won a claimed, uh, called the woman alleging her husband committed sexual assault, uh, <clears throat> bimbo eruptions. Blamed the Benghazi attack on a YouTube video and smeared a 12-year-old girl who accused an older man of raping her and laughed about it afterward. Clinton's line about people in power fabricating facts is correct, which is why it was imperative to keep her out of office. Number two, Clinton compared Trump to Richard Nixon and implied that he will be impeached. Oh, Okay. Quote, we were furious about the past presidential election of a man whose presidency would eventually end in disgrace with his impeachment for obstruction of justice. The defeated presidential candidate said as members of the crowd at the liberal campus erupted in cheers. Woo! And then she brought up Nixon's firing, Nixon's quote, firing the person running the investigation into him at the Department of Justice, a line that brought laughs and more cheers. Uh, number three, Clinton used the usual left-wing fear-mongering against Trump's budget, <clears throat> which came out, was it yesterday? Oh, I don't know. Oh, uh, look at that budget that was just proposed in Washington. It is an attack of unimaginable cruelty on the most vulnerable among us, the youngest, the oldest, the poorest, and hard-working people who need a little help to gain or hang on to a decent middle-class life. It grossly underfunds public education, mental health, and efforts even to combat the opioid epidemic. And in reversing our commitment to fight climate change, it puts the future of our nation and our world at risk. And to top it off, it was shrouded in a trillion-dollar mathematical lie 
Let's call it what it is. It's a con. They don't even try to hide it. Why does all this matter? It matters because if our leaders lie about the problems we face, <coughs> they will never solve them. It matters because it undermines confidence in government as a whole, which in turn breeds more cynicism and anger. And it also matters because our country, like this college, has was founded on the principles of the Enlightenment. In particular, the belief that people, you and I, possess the capacity for reason and critical thinking and that free and open debate is the lifeblood of democracy, unless you disagree with me. Yes, there you go. I added that last point in case you were unaware. No, really? It, it flowed no, well. It, yeah. it, uh, number four, she used more fear-mongering against Trump. Millions of people will be hurt by the policies including this budget that is being considered. And many of those same people don't want dreamers deported as healthcare and or healthcare taken away. Many don't want to retreat on civil rights, women's rights, and LGBT rights. So if your outreach is rebuffed, keep trying. Do the right thing anyway. And number five, Clinton rambled about fake news, even though she has perpetuated fake news herself. This via Slate. You are graduating at a time where there is a full-fledged assault on truth and reason. Just log on to social media for 10 seconds. It will hit you right in the face. People denying science, concocting elaborate, hurtful conspiracy theories about child abuse rings operating out of pizza parlors. I can't believe she actually said this. Drumming up rampant fear about undocumented immigrants, Muslims, minorities, the poor. Turning neighbor against neighbor and sowing division at a time when we desperately need unity. Some are even denying things we see with our own eyes, like the size of crowds, and then defending themselves by talking about quote-unquote alternative facts. But Clinton is the last person to be talking about fake news and conspiracy theories, giving that the birther movement started with her. She falsely claimed that she came under sniper fire in Bosnia, and she invented, invited mothers of blacks who were killed by cops, even though a number of those shootings were justified. Here's the most important thing, though. Leftists can fawn over Clinton's commencement speech all they want, but they won't change the fact that she's not the president. Ooh. Snap. Oh, bam. So, that's probably enough Hillary. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> Did you hear uh, Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz? Um, no. Well, kind of threatened the... Uh, chief of the Capitol Police. <gasps> what? No. Apparently they have confiscated some hardware computers of her staff. Uh, her, she claims to own, <coughs> but they're under, uh, they're investigating her staff for um, some hacking claims and a bunch of things. And so she's talking to this guy, well, do you have any What's your policy if, if the, the member's product, if it's the member's property and the member is not being investigated, how do we get it back? Well, under, so he has this whole line of whatever. Well, I think you're doing your business wrong. I think you're breaking the rules and I, you should expect consequences for this. Oh. I yield back my time. Really? So a representative in Congress can now threaten the cops? Consequences for doing your job. I think uh, she could do, I mean, the average liberal in Congress could 
do some really terrific things, and nobody's going to uh, bat an eye about it. The media isn't, sorry. Well, clearly, yeah. <clears throat> no, but I never, I never saw that. Uh, have you been following this Hannity debacle? I've With just the, seen a few the things. Seth Rich stuff. Um, the DNC is he pers- is he trying murdered? to pursue whether or not he had, he'd been murdered by somebody from the DNC and was behind the WikiLeaks? Yeah. Wiki- Wiki- mm-hmm. And Hannity now he's on a oh a, a quick uh like out of the blue vacation where he's in hiding mulling over his um his whether he's gonna come back. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. <clears throat> That's what the talk is, that he might be out at Fox. Why? Because of quote-unquote conspiracy theories about this guy that he's propagating? Right. No. Right. Huh. Mm-hmm. Apparently advertisers have left because of it, and I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that Bill O'Reilly gets canned. Fox News ratings go in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that he's getting even close to keeping him anywhere is Hannity and Tucker. And so now they're going to kick that guy out. Good work. What are they making up? Another MSNBC? Yeah, evidently. I mean, why not? I, I mean, it, this is this is capitalism. If this if if they want to do that, I say go for it, but buddy. But is it capitalism when you have these shell groups that are funded by the rich elites actually pushing this like this boycott thing? Well, what I mean by capitalism is is if they want, if they're going to do a horrible job in um, with their company, <coughs> let it go under, and another and Hannity will be fine. Oh sure, he'll he'll land on his feet. Sounds like O'Reilly, he's going to make way more money now. Yeah, so I he's got a standing invite on Beck's show on Friday now. Oh, Glenn which, Beck, yeah, his radio show, which is fascinating. Yeah, Glenn Beck. I mean, for a while I liked him, but then <clears throat> I don't know. He cried a lot. He did, and he was a big. I mean, is he? He's a huge Mor- uh, Mormon, and uh, really big on. Yeah, so I, I think to me, he seems like a person that maybe his heart was in the right place, but then he started believing his own hype about <laughs> himself. Interesting. But yeah, Hannity and the rest of them, all they have to do is start a new network. People will, will jump ship from Fox News in a heartbeat. Well, but networks exist because they have advertisers that will pay their bill. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, they ex- and they'll and they do that because the message is what they want to sell. So, well, so if, you, you if don't advertisers think be are being like destroyed because they may support these shows these people so these personalities go to a different network and go try to get advertising who's going to advertise yeah but are they really are they i mean who's who's actually offended <laughs> media matters <laughs> well yeah i know but i it seems to me that some of these advertisers are are making political statements by withdrawing oh, clearly their support they are, yeah and so, there, there's enough backlash from the left that they think it's worth doing. Oh, oh so then you you start another network. Maybe it'll be smaller. You you cultivate certain uh, advertisers. You start small, and as you become more popular <coughs> and fair and balanced, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> you what know, does it'll that grow. Even mean, yeah, yeah. 
There's a magazine on the interweb. I guess it's a <clears> website <throat> then. That's what we'll call it. Uh, called pdxeater.com. So it's Eater Portland. E-A-T-E-R. Eater. Portland, Oregon. And they, I mean, looking at the front page, they have different things about um, restaurants and talk about food. Oh, Eater. Okay. Eater. Got it. Eater. <clears throat> well... Are they appropriating culture? <laughs> the magazine is not. However, they did a story on the 22nd of May, which was five days ago. Headline, Portland burrito spot shutters amid claims of cultural appropriation. I was right. I can't believe it. I can't. Well, just shortly after W Week announced Kook's Burritos, which that's a funky name to begin with, a small burrito pop-up with Events at the Tight Tacos food cart in Southeast. This almost sounds like an Onion article. Uh, the operation was shuttered and delete and has deleted much of its online presence. The, co- the closure coincides with public outrage at what some are calling the restaurant's appropriation of another culture's intellectual property. Speaking <laughs> with W Week, Cook's burrito owner Callie Wilgus and Liz L. C. Conley's. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> said they developed their menus in part by picking the brains of every tortilla lady there in the worst broken Spanish ever. Uh, and his this description of its research practices as well as, as other comments within the article spurt editorials and debates across the internet. I think every tortilla sh- shop should be also shut down because they're uh, misappropriating um, stainless steel equipment. And um, that's not a culture, okay? No, no, that's no. a culture. It's no. a culture, no. and OSHA the will shut them down. On it. <laughs> and and really, how dare OSHA come in and tell these people how to cook their food? Well, that's how true. dare they? That is that's a great <clears throat> point. So shut them all down. Okay, so here's a. This is for real. Okay, this is a Google document. And I guess I sh- maybe shouldn't have clicked on it because now it might be. Oh, <laughs> well, but you got a a Mac, right? So oh, I'm fine then. You're fine. Um, this is an about, and then there is a restaurant list and an FAQ. Okay, <clears throat> this list is called alternatives to white-owned appropriative restaurants in Portland. For the life of me, I don't know why anybody would would take but this serious. <laughs> and and furthermore, I, I would think that there would be so many people that are sick of this that you could have an exclusive clientele of people who would eat there just to spite these idiots. Do you know what I mean? In Portland? Yeah, in Portland. <laughs> I mean, if you got a few thousand people. So here's a FAQ page in, in this um, spreadsheet, <clears throat> which is kind of fascinating. Uh, what are your goals? We created this list for several reasons, but stayed away from listing them initially in order to allow for but free discussion. Wait a second. Now, our goals, is that a uh, cultural uh, thing? So are they misappropriating the white culture to yeah, yeah, to yeah. apply goals on other cultures? Because there's a lot of cultures that if you say get here at 10, they'll get here at 12 because they don't have any goals and they're not, you know, they're not really... Hard chargers, so I'm sorry. 
I'll stop now. They say they created this list for several reasons, but stayed away from listing them initially in order to allow the free discussion of the subject's multiple dimensions. Uh, since many people, journalists in particular, seem intent on putting words in our mouths, we've decided to provide a list of potential positive outcomes that could come from this list and the discussions it has provoked. Um, we'll come back to that. But the about. This is the about. This is not about cooking at home or historical influences on cuisine. It's about profit, ownership, and wealth in a white supremacist culture. Oh, white, white supremacists. White people are nearly 50% more likely than people of color, or in parentheses, POC, to own a business in the state of Oregon. Ownership builds wealth in ways that employment does not. The racial wealth and small business lending gaps in the U.S. are pronounced, with, uh, which allows white folks to open new businesses more easily. These white-owned businesses hamper the ability for POC to run successful businesses because of, of the competition. Own. No, because they're white. Clearly, cooking their own cuisines. But either, but either consuming. Um, oh, sorry, but either problems stated. Oh, brother, this is stupidly laid out. I've made a judgment about this person. <laughs> no, wait. It's these people. <laughs> by either consuming market share with their attempt at authenticity or by modifying foods to market to white palates, their success further perpetuates the problems stated above. It's a cyclical pattern that will require intentional behavior change to break. My if, judgment has been confirmed. If you've come here in anger, please read at least a couple of these articles before continuing to the list on the next tab below. And we now have an FAQ tab. Note, people still seem to think that a white woman created this list and continue to spread that misinformation. This list is the result of, of the combined effort of several people of color. So this is a racist. Full-on racist well, list. Well, but they're being racist. They've they misappropriated the language. This is English. Where did it come from? It came from Britain. This is a total misappropriation of British culture. They should speak in their own language. Stop using ours. Here's what I, I'm confused by this, and so we'll get there in a minute, but I, I don't quite get this, because this is people of color, black people. Well, they shouldn't be using our language. <laughs> but, but this is, I mean, this is created by a group of black people, okay. based on what they said. Uh, many people have asked for us to list alternatives owned by people of color. <coughs> so we have updated the list to include the nearest, in cuisine and distance, POC-owned restaurant to each of the appropriative restaurants. So if you don't want to go to the white person selling the Chinese food, you go to the Chinese person selling the Chinese food. Or the black person selling the Chinese food? <laughs> well, I think it's got to be the black person selling the black food or Chinese food because, which by de definition would be appropriating their culture. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> I, <clears throat> yeah. So what if there was, what if you were a white person who married a Chinese person? Is marrying uh, somebody of another culture, is that misappropriating okay. well, their culture? Well, here you go. The way this is, this is a spreadsheet. <laughs> There's a list, appropriative business, in red, and then the cuisine. And then there's the nearest black-owned alternative, clearly, POC. <laughs> um, now, here is note. Let's see. If you look at these two lists and you have visited more of the red than the green, please ask yourself why. <laughs> Better food? <laughs> it's got to be. Wow. Note that the backgrounds of the people of color who own the listed restaurants do not necessarily match the cuisine they serve. Oh, okay. So <gasps> oh! Oh! <laughs> wow. 
We could have limited the list. Oh to, my gosh! We could have limited the list to only people selling their own cuisine, but we made the decision not to in order to make a point. So this is straight up racism. And hypocrisy. Yeah. If this seems like hypocrisy from the standards set for white-owned restaurants, you haven't understood why white appropriation is a problem. <laughs> You're dumb. That's what that says. White business owners wield economic and cultural capital advantages over black people, business owners. So they are punching down by appropriating cuisines from people who are disadvantaged in comparison. A Vietnamese person opening a Japanese restaurant does not have the same impact as a non-Hispanic white person opening a Mexican restaurant. Healthy cultural exchange can and does occur when the playing field is relatively even, but appropriation is a demonstration of power that perpetuates inequities. Then there's a list, an, another clicky list. Support black-owned restaurants. No. Well, I, w I will. You know but what it's I not, want? It's not you know based upon race. It's, I want are they food. good or not? I want yes. good food. I will go... To wherever there's good food, good service. Done. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the FAQ. <clears throat> goals. What are our goals? To provide transparency and awareness, allowing people to make their own decisions. Really? Uh -huh. Not uh -huh. really. Yeah. Uh, this was our primary objective. People Noting, already made their own decisions. Why? <laughs> Noting in the information presented indicates a goal of creating a boycott. Although some people have called for boycotts when sharing the list on social media, we certainly wouldn't shed a tear if some of these restaurants were forced to close, like the article of the little <clears throat> kook tortilla maker shop, burrito shop. And new businesses, let's see. Let me, let me ask you a question. No. <laughs> yes, go, fire. How could they have... <clears throat> Uh, how could they have done this without being so stupid, but trying to get the same message across about supporting <laughs> yeah, don't black do owned, it. but what? like supporting black owned businesses? How could you do that in a way that is not um, condescending and offensive to other people? Because I would think that you could. How? <laughs> well, just say, I don't know, you know, economically traditionally or economically right now maybe the the black population is is underrepresented um so here are some options that you can have if you want to support it you know but but either way isn't the premise racist well these white people are trying to do these restaurants and they're better because they're white and so we want you to screw them and go support the black guy because the black guy can do what the white guy's doing, but it's harder for him to do it. And so we need to support the black guy who's harder to do whatever. Yeah, but is that that sounds like the point. Well, yeah, it is the point. It is the point. It is the point. This is a hate whitey. Yeah, of course it is. But my point, my my question is, is there any way? Okay. It's a hate whitey thing, but they're not going to say it's a hate whitey thing. Oh, right. They're trying to clarify that now. So, so this is this is my point. If you hated whitey mm -hmm. and you won and you didn't want to be so transparent about hating whitey, <laughs> is there a way you could have done this that might have uh, that white people might have listened to and have been, or is there nothing you could have done that they could have done to uh, better? <clears throat> Um, make their point 
or to make their point more um no i i don't appealing. think the point was to make, clearly this isn't well, to just make friends yeah but it, but it's not like that's written for white to white people that's not written to black people but it's condescending of course it's condescending but you would think that if you're going to write that sort of stuff if you wanted if you wanted black white people to go huh at a certain point i mean obviously they don't get it at all that if you nag mm-hmm. and you're constantly nagging, the opposite eventually is going to happen. Is there a way they could have done it? That was my question. But you can ignore it and go on. Sorry. Oh, no, but I, I I don't know of a better way. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that, not a better what, way. I don't know of a at. way. Uh huh. Well, what's the best way to rape the neighbor neighbor lady? Uh, kick, uh, kick down the door. And go in and rape her? I don't know. Well, it's obviously that's an absurd question. Oh, I see your point. I see your point. There, How, it's a ridiculous if I premise. Said, you should buy gas from Uncle Bob because his skin is white. Yeah. How can you say that? That's not offensive. And then if you say you should buy your gas from Uncle Bill because his skin is black, but I'm buying gas. Yeah. Why? Why does it matter about the color of someone's skin? And that's what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Yeah, nobody of the of black or white should sell gas because they appropriated it from the seals. Navy seals? No, the oh. seals, sea lions <laughs> in the ocean, right up in the Antar- the Arctic. Well, some of them the came ground. from Oklahoma. You know what we're doing when we do this? We are appropriating um, evolution proof by digging in the ground and digging up these fossil fuels. Fossil fossil fuels. We should be protecting fossils, right? Yes. So we're appropriate by anyone selling gas. We're appropriating the fossil fuel thing. And the theory, the general theory of <laughs> of evolution, came from Britain. No, it's so not a theory. Misappro- it's a fact. Okay, the evolution theory. is a fact. Okay, that came from Britain. So they're misappropriating fact. fact. I have white. I have proof. Fact. Well, fact. It's not a theory. <laughs> I have proof that evolution is a fact. And and the and the fact is no, I'll the, show, I'll the proof is. I'll show you later. Okay. I'll let you hear it later. There's a consensus. Is that the proof? No, it's proof. It's theory should not be used. It should be the word fact. Because there's a consensus. All right. So, what goals do these anti-white owned operations? Um, all right. For, uh, a goal to force these business owners to consider the impact they've had. Even if, even if it has been unintentional, we believe the onus is on the businesses themselves to decide on appropriate corrective measures. Well, how nice you're giving, leaving it up to them um, to lift up and validate marginalized black communities. Or they say POC communities. Or you know what? Maybe I should use the there's the POC. 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 POC community. I'm going to start calling POC. The POC. POC. You know, I have some scars on my body from chicken POC. Spelled differently, but it sounds the same. So should we, the POC communities, that's how they have it spelled. We're going there. This is going to make friends. (laughs) Crap. Uh, Force these, uh, let's see, to lift up and validate marginalized POC communities, black people of color communities. And well. Did they say black people? No, they say POC. Okay. But they didn't say black people. They say people of color, which I, I, I can only assume that means black. Native American. No, because maybe, because you can't call him the red man. So, <laughs> I have the old Peter Pan cartoon. <laughs> oh, oh, oh yes. Hey, 
Yes. Oh, Indian dance. What makes yep. the red man red? Indian. Yes. And that, but that, you know, like it or not, that was the Peter Pan. Was acceptable. Back yeah. Then. yeah. The Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. All right. Ah, digress. <clears throat> to lift up and validate marginalized POC communities and better equip them to advocate for their own struggle within Portland's disproportionately white demographic that often leads to the implicit and explicit silencing of black, oh wait, black POC and immigrant perspectives. What's people of color then? What? They list black and POC and immigrant. Immigrant? Immigrant. Huh. Wouldn't POC kind of encompass all of them? Yeah. Technically, other than immigrant. I mean, people of color is not And other than type. white. Right, but black should be in POC. Mm-hmm. So why in the deuce are we separating the two? Anyways. Because the editor missed it, that. Oh, I, I'm sure it was just a, a slip up. Mm-hmm. Uh, to shed light on one way that institutional racism and capitalism perpetuate inequities created by colonialism, slavery, and the racist laws of past and present. Yes, even in progressive Portland. We believe that in order to solve our problems, we must first be willing to identify what they are and have difficult conversations. The most recent Willamette Weekly article implied that the list was blaming appropriation for creating inequities when we have always maintained that cultural appropriation perpetuates existing inequities. All right, stop the local media from glorifying food. Oh, geez, Columbusing. And <laughs> to stop the local media from glorifying food Columbusing. That's now a verb. Or would that be a verb? Adjective? Describer? I'm, I'm going to Columbus some food. And promoting white people for, quote, discovering foods in other countries or sometimes even cities in the U.S. and bringing them to Portland. Alternatively, encourage the media to give positive coverage to POC-owned businesses that have gone unnoticed for years. And so, by default, give negative coverage to the others, maybe? Yep. To force new white restaurateurs to think twice before appropriating another culture's cuisine. While it's unlikely any of the existing businesses would be forced to shudder from being on this list, it's possible that new spots could decide to take a different approach than they would have otherwise. Why would they... Well, okay. Anyways, keep going. You know, part of me almost feels like this, uh, critiquing this would be like critiquing... Charles Manson's manifesto. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas any normal person would, or the Unabomber's manifesto, any normal person would go, okay, th- this is crazy. Okay, maybe there's somebody out here that actually believes it, but I don't even know why you'd even have to respond to this. <laughs> well, partly because it's it's lud- ludicrous and funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the next couple of questions are fascinating in this. Frequently asked questions. <laughs> By who? <laughs> By <Yeah>. who? <laughs> Um, are you saying white people can't cook, eat, or enjoy? Yes! Insert favorite yes! food anymore? <laughs> eat and cook whatever you want. This has nothing to do with enjoying foods from other cultures like we all do. This is about recognizing and working to correct a power imbalance in our society that is the result of centuries of institutionalized racism and unchecked capitalism. To learn unchecked. more, read, read the top of the front page and resource articles. All right, so then this next one... I may I may stop here because 
Um, because why? Well, I don't know if I can go on. Uh, why don't you include white-owned Southern restaurants? Quote, Southern food appropriates several dishes from the cuisine of enslaved Africans who outnumbered white colonizers in many areas of the South and strongly influenced the cuisine for the region. Several dishes are ad- adaptations of recipes that enslaved Africans brought from Africa, uh. bullcrap, while others have roots in Native American cuisines. Over time, the cuisines the cuisine was appropriated as, quote, Southern food by white Southerners. But African-Americans later reclaimed it as soul food. Ha <laughs> ha, it's mine, it's mine again. The general consensus is that in present day, the main difference between the two comes down to the race of the peop- the person doing the cooking. However, white-owned Southern restaurants are undoubtedly a result of the theft of a cuisine from enslaved people. These concerns are certainly valid, but this list is intended to highlight individuals who have taken it upon themselves to directly appropriate a cuisine, expose the system that allows them to think this is acceptable, and prevent the perpetuation of racial inequity that comes as a result. Here's what I want to know. Shoot. Let's say... I wanted to open a restaurant. I'm white, last I checked. So let's say uh, that I wanted to yeah. do that. Whitish. Um <clears throat> and I needed money, capital. And I went to a venture capital firm or I went to an investment firm or something that would get, you know give a, a local economic development club. Okay? And I got money. Because you're white? Well, well, let's I okay. And then let's say someone of a POC, in their words, uh, did the same thing. They want to open a restaurant. And they go get money. Yeah. By borrowing money from white lenders, or is this the same problem? So you're saying white is, is bad unless it benefits me. Well, I, I don't know. My, what I'm wondering is, is it possible... I mean, is the assumption in this whole stupid thing, the assumption that the white person that appropriates the cult cuisine, they just have cash and so they can just do it? Yes. But the black person can't and so they have to go because borrow? But if, what if we both borrow from the same white guy? Well, who I, th- is I think they would what? say that the banks aren't aren't being equal with distributing funds with black people. I'd or like people to see of evidence color. of that. D- does that mean that more white people are actually applying for loans? Or does it mean the equal number of white and black people are applying for loans and the black people get denied? Well, I think, I mean, really, when you think about it, probably more white people are going to get the loans than black people, but is percentage that, is that, wise. Do you think that? But, do you but, think but that's, it's because because they don't, they haven't saved up, a, potentially haven't saved up as much money because... S- a proportionally larger percentage of uh, people of color come from um, are not as economically viable because they have a higher incidence of not graduating from high school. In the black community, seventy percent of children are born out of out of wedlock, so they have a much lower chance of getting a good education of having a, a decent job. So 
But if you, if there's, they don't talk about this sort of stuff, but if you're a married black couple and both of you have a college degree, you make more on average than a married white couple with a college degree. Okay. So... Here's another in uh, in I don't I don't know sorry I'm gonna keep going because it's yeah why don't you include Israeli restaurants That's another question <laughs> the Israeli government is a colonizing occupying force that continues to violently encroach on Palestinian territories to this day when it comes to food the history the history of their appropriation of Palestine L- L- Levantine and Moroccan cuisines dates back a century and has been one element of a campaign of erasure of the Palestinian people. While many Jews are of Arabic descent and brought their cuisine with them from Israel, that does not absolve the Israeli government from their efforts to claim Arabic Arabic food as their own. These concerns are certainly valid, but this list is intended to highlight individuals who have taken it upon themselves to directly appropriate cuisine, expose the system that allows them to think this is acceptable, and prevent the perpetuation of racial inequality that comes as a result. So, this is all about black people. It's all about racism. All of it. This has nothing to do with actually what they're saying. This is all about racism. We gotta stop. We gotta kill Whitey. Sure. Is what this is. No, I... Yeah. But but going jumping into this Israeli occupying thing, um, Mark Levin on Monday said there is no such thing as a Palestinian. He said they're Arabs. I'm sorry, they mm-hmm. can call themselves Palestinians or Palestinian Arabs. I don't even think I don't even I don't even know what that means. This is Mark. Uh, Levin rejected the narrative in which Palestinians are framed as a distinct group of people. Const- constituting a nation a narrative upon which the palestinian claim to self-determination and independence via statehood is predicated levin noted that contemporary arab states are not grounded in pre-existing national identities but on borders drawn by the victorious european powers following the collapse of the ottoman empire of the first world war now i want to let's remember this whole thing victories European powers, they took, they won, fight, war. We're going to go there in a minute locally for Native Americans. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I want to talk about that too. European states, conversely, typically enclosed territories populated by groups that compose unique nations. European nations have histories, languages, cultures, religious traditions, and other features of nationhood that are distinguishable between themselves, unlike contemporary Arab states. The meaningful social fault lines of the Middle East and North Africa are typically not congruent with the region's states, with few exceptions such as Iran. Various minority Mm -hmm. nations across the region do not have independence via statehood, such as Kurds, Copts, Baha'is, and Assyrians. CNN, NBC, New York Times, and The Washington Post do not agitate for the independent statehood of any of the aforementioned groups. Uh, We need the Kurds to have a state. They don't have that. Well, some people have made the case, tried to make the case about the Kurds, but I don't think about the other ones. Regional Arabs in and around Israel adopted the national namesake Palestinian in the aftermath of the Six-Day War, composing a national narrative with guidance from the Soviet Union in order to afford political advantage with Western leftists. The Palestinian nation identity, national identity, is a reaction to Zionism. Without Zionism, there is no. Palestinianism, Palestinians. 
shouldn't they be more classically classified as Jordanian, maybe? Or what was uh, Jordan? What was the name of Jordan before this? But I thought that most of them, if you want to be technical, should be considered Jordanian rather than Palestinian. Oh, perhaps. But like Iraq, you have the Kurds, and then you had the majority in Iraq are Shiite, mm-hmm. but then you had the, um, what was Saddam Hussein's, was it the Ba'ath Party? was a kind of a secular oh, in copy Iraq, yeah. in Iraq. And the same thing mm-hmm. with uh, Assad in um, Syria. Um, he's he's some obscure, uh, from this um, obscure sect of Islam that identifies as Shi'i, but it's not. But yeah, I mean, all of it, all of it is just arbitrary numbers or mm-hmm. lines put down. And you're right. I mean, it's total hypocrisies because they have a narrative that they want to propagate, mm-hmm. but they can't be consistent because if they were consistent across the board, then it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> you know, yeah, They couldn't hold their views. Yeah. The views that they hold anyway. This is the David Allen Show. Um, thanks for uh, coming along on this crazy ride. Yeah.
puts together. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is the David Allen Show. Sorry, we just had a little uh, a conversation uh, at the break because <clears throat> we're because <laughs> we're crazy and we're authentic. Um, authentic. That's right. This is how we roll. Uh, I've just glanced at the bottom. Uh, I scrolled down through the FAQ of that uh, white or the appropriative restaurant list. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the very bottom says, "Who are you?" As an FAQ, who are you? <laughs> we're several people. We're several Portland-based people of color who have no interest in revealing their identities, oh. especially considering the threats and racist garbage that gets sent to the above email address, based on the defensive and racist discourse surrounding this issue that we've witnessed on local social media in public comments and in the emails we've received we believe that revealing our identities would come at too great a personal risk so instead we're just gonna screw all these other businesses because we're mean i think that's about right well if they hit yeah so that's uh yeah that's out there real special um right this moment no 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 let's see you heard to talk about Greg Allman. He died. Um, I, I, I cannot vouch for any of this. Um, like most of our program, <laughs> most of it. No, no, no. I mean, for the the safety of it. Oh. Um. Well, no, that's a little long. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. It's had something to do with Bill Nye, and so I don't really want to go there. Oh. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Quick headline. A man used the internet registry to track down and beat pedophiles and sex offenders with a hammer. Wow. Um, So I've I've got a thought on this. Did he get arrested? Well, um, the Alaskan Avenger, a victim of molestation and abuse as a child, is accused of vengefully attacking pedophiles with a hammer using the online registry to find them. According to Alfred N.G. of New York Daily News, using Anchorage's public online self uh, sex offender registry to locate up to three offenders, Jason uh, Vukovic allegedly broke into his victims' homes and bashed in their heads with a hammer in June. It would be last year, I presume. Uh, must have, Yeah, this was written May 11 this year. Um, One of the victims landed on the sex offender registry 10 years ago after pleading no contest to attempted sexual abuse of a minor. He said, I'm an avenging angel. I'm going to mete out justice for the people you hurt. Wesley uh, Demarest, one of the people Vikovich tracked down, told a local news station. Was he wearing a cape? I think he had Thor's hammer. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, police said that Vukovic was arrested the same night he allegedly hammered in Damarest's skull. Um, police also found a notebook with his victims' names listed in it with addresses he found from the registry. Uh, Vukovic, 41, is also accused of robbing the three victims after his vengeful beatings. On the website, users can find sex offenders and child kidnappers through a database by name, zip code, and city, or through a map with details of the person's address and photos along with the conviction dates and employer's information. NG states, the sex offender uh, Avenger, (laughs) the sex offender Avenger revealed that he had been molested and beaten by his adoptive father when he was a child. He wrote in a letter from jail to the Anchorage Dispatch News. What I can say at this time is that after being physically and mentally abused by a predator, my life was forever changed. 
he wrote in his letter. He said he targeted sexual offenders in hopes of supporting children in pursuit of their dreams, writing that kids should be able to live without the threat of pedophiles lingering around them. He pled not guilty to the charges of robbery and assault. He's being held on $100,000 bail and scheduled to return to court October 17. He faces up to 35 years in prison if convicted. Hmm. I, obviously, he didn't talk to his attorney before he made that statement. <laughs> yeah, I did it, but yeah. no, did, I'm not no, guilty. No, no guilt, not guilty. Yeah. Nope. I'm going to mete out some justice. Um. So what do you think if this... Goes down and is as big as whatever, as big as it could be. What in the world do you think this is going to do to the registry list? Well, all of a sudden the ACLU is going to jump on board and say, "Oh, we can't publish these names. Look, they're in danger." In Minnesota, the only ones that are published, and I don't believe they do the um, they their address. They'll they'll tell the community that like uh, in Minnesota, there's three levels. Third uh, level three is the worst most likely to repeat offend. And they'll say that one is moving to your community, but I don't believe they'll put an address in. But they'll they'll give a picture of the person and everything else. I believe in South Dakota they you can look at a map. Oh. Well you it'll tell you what town they're Oh no, at. no, no, address. Oh in Minnesota, right but oh, here, yeah, here. yeah, okay. I know that um I knew this person who um a level three offender moved into this small town mm-hmm. that this person was living, lives on a hobby farm, like out of town. And, uh, she was sitting a couple nights after this person moved in and she was sitting like at her house, outside her house on her porch or whatever. And she looked out and she saw somebody riding a bike and like all these cars behind them. And was, it was a bunch of like parents and stuff from that small town who were literally forcing the sex offender out of the town. Really? And they didn't have a car, so they were riding their bike. <laughs> wow. So Torches and pitchforks, you yeah. yikes. Mm-hmm. You've heard of Ancestry.com? Mm-hmm. A word to the wise. Okay. Don't use the Ancestry DNA testing service without actually reading the Ancestry.com terms of service. And privacy policy. According to these legal contracts, um, you still own your DNA, but so does Ancestry.com. The family history website Ancestry.com is selling a new DNA testing service called Ancestry DNA. But the DNA and genetic data that Ancestry.com collects may be used against you or a genetic relative. How? That's in quotes. According to its privacy policies, Ancestry.com takes ownership of your DNA forever. Your ownership of your DNA, on the other hand, is limited in years. It seems obvious that customers agree to this arrangement, since all of them must click here to agree to these terms. But how many people really read those contracts before clicking to agree? And how many relatives of Ancestry.com customers are also reading? But how 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 can that... There are adversely th- affect you. <clears throat> there are three significant provisions in the Ancestry DNA privacy policy and terms of service to consider on behalf of yourself and your genetic relatives. One, the perpetual royalty-free worldwide license to use your DNA. But when he when he says use, what what does he mean? 
Well, this is I don't know this this is a quote from the privacy privacy policy. I mean, they can't like clone with your DNA, or are they saying that they? I would as- assume that that would be a fear that either in testings or in. I mean, it's not the island, so. But yeah, it, it sounds right. I know. Oh, we we need some people. Clone these people. Mm-hmm. Happens to be you. Weird. Number two, the warning that DNA information may be used against you or a genetic relative, which I'm curious to know what that is. And three, your your waiver of legal rights. I got a story <clears throat> about uh, DNA and stuff and genetics when we're done here. Don't re- don't forget. Remind me. All right, let's see. He breaks down number two a little bit, looks like. Warning that DNA information may be used against you or your genetic relative. Uh, the Ancestry.com DNA testing service promises to analyze approximately 700,000 genetic markers. According to Ancestry.com, the service, quote, combines advanced DNA science with the world's largest online family history resource to predict your genetic ethnicity and help you find new family connections. Is this not owned by the Mormons? Yeah. Okay. The results of an ancestry DNA analysis include information about, quote, ethnicity across 26 regions slash ethnicities and identifies potential relatives through DNA matching to others who have taken the ancestry DNA test. Ancestry.com claims to use the latest autosomal testing technology to produce genetic identity reports and can combine the test results with the largest on the world's largest online family history resource to predict your genetic ethnicity and help you find new family connections. In addition, Ancestry DNA offers a genetic code profiling and matching service advertising that Ancestry DNA can also help identify relationships with unknown relatives through a dynamic list of DNA matches. Uh, then where do we go here? <clears throat> Waiver of legal rights are you or your genetic relative a customer of Ancestry DNA? If so, Ancestry.com now has control over the DNA of you or a genetic relative. Should the warnings from Ancestry.com come to pass, the DNA information about you or a genetic relative is used against you or a genetic relative by any employer, insurer, or law enforcement then you or a genetic relative have very limited legal rights. Okay, that could be... So that's the biggest thing, that maybe you could maybe not get insured or something? The final indignity for Ancestry.com customers is that they must waive fundamental legal rights by agreeing to mandatory binding arbitration. With the exception of intellectual property rights disputes and certain small claims, Ancestry.com customers must pursue their disputes through arbitration rather than court. In arbitration, the established legal rules of discovery, evidence, and trial by jury do not exist. You know, if the Mormon Church said, you know, we want to help law enforcement to uncover maybe serial murders or other things, they could wholeheartedly give it over to the FBI. Mm -hmm. And the FBI could try to match the mm-hmm. DNA with all of them, and then okay, this one isn't matched, but this is this person has to be the son or the father. Yeah, but we found his uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the potential is great. The practice, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Still, I mean, the proof, proof. Read the stupid private policy, privacy policy. Read them. 
When when was the last time that or we, weep we had yeah. a uh, podcast? Twenty nine, April twenty nine. Okay, it's been about a month. Okay. Well, I got a story. Oh yes, Jay told me. Uh oh. At his place of employment, they had uh, <laughs> somebody come in to talk about you know relationships in the workplace, and this person wasn't a psychologist. He was. He went to school for genetic engineering, and he was fascinated about relationships, so now he's a consultant about that stuff. But his technical training is a, is as a genetic scientist. And he said that, um, Jay said this man told the story that he worked for some, some company, and they were um, trying to make a better pig, one that would grow quickly and bigger. Mm-hmm. And they were able to to create a pig that went from, you know, a piglet to like 1,300 pounds, three feet high, seven feet long in like eight months. Okay. And when that pig got that big, it became carnivorous. Just, it would eat anything. It would, if, if you were in the pen with it, it would eat you. And one day he came to work and his whole, uh, uh, parking lot was covered with black SUVs, and the U.S. Army came in, confiscated all of their equipment, all of their research, all their their computers, and left. So they're making hybrid pigs now. Well, if you could do it to pigs, could you not do it to humans? Well, sure. Mm-hmm. But that's just in the movies. Right? Okay. Captain America? Just in the movies. Well, it's in the Bible, the Nephilim. Oh. Oh. That's supernatural direct genetic modification. So when did this all go down? I don't know. Like in the 90s or something. So I would presume that would not be readily available on the interweb. Probably not anymore, but maybe. That's what I mean. Or did they not scrub it? <laughs> That's the one thing they didn't do. Oh, that internet. I didn't think it'd be a problem back in <laughs> back then. Well, I don't know exactly when it was. Hmm. It seems to me that he mentioned it was in the nineties, but I could I could have gotten that wrong. I just thought it was interesting because we were talking about DNA and genetics. Yeah. Well, where they're going, it, it seems silly that to think that none none of that is possible. Yeah. Or I can't I can't I can't believe that they haven't already done stuff like that like the born legacy and things mm-hmm. like that um genetically modifying people mm-hmm. and why couldn't you well that, why couldn't you well i know why you shouldn't but well, wouldn't it be interesting though like at what point does a human life have a soul yeah exactly yeah. I mean, does it have to come, like, does it have to be inside of a human and be birthed mm-hmm. somehow? And, w- yeah, what is that thing that makes you a human and have a soul? Is it just DNA? Is it how much, like, if you mix DNA with a monkey or something like that, at what point does that thing never no longer be human? Mm-hmm. And... And, you know, the religious implications are are huge. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's yeah. weird. It is weird when you think about it. I mean, um, it would be interesting to see. I know you can't, but <laughs> so it's just a theory. But taking the DNA of Adam or Eve prior to the fall, taking the DNA now. Oh, let's see what it looks like. See what kind of changes have happened. Hmm. Or Noah, you know, from Adam to Noah to us, has our DNA degraded to the point where we're at now, whereas at one time you could live to be 900 years old and it wasn't an issue. Yeah. But, you know, modified crops. Mm-hmm. Corn that can withstand mm-hmm. um, pesticides and Roundup. You can mm-hmm. spray a weed kill a, a, a weed yeah, killer on corn, and it doesn't kill it. And yet they claim there is an equal, if not more, amount of positive in that product, protein, and whatever the the point reason of growing corn is. Mm-hmm. They claim that that isn't affected negatively. It's perhaps increased okay so they can do that with a a seed why can't they do that with a pig Mm -hmm. or why can't they do that with a cow making them immune essentially to disease yep or is that just done and no one knows about it oh I'm sure it's done well like turkeys you know that they they have in the barns. Oh, I hate I mean, those things. Those things are so stupid. They will literally <laughs> drown. Yeah. If it, if they're outside and it's raining, they'll drown. Well, there was a, a, a turkey just at my in-laws place uh, yesterday. But the wild ones are smart. Yeah, this one wasn't. Oh. <laughs> it uh, it decided to fly a- away, mm-hmm. and it flew right through the screened-in porch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's now a huge hole in the screen. <laughs> Did, did it meet its untimely demise? No, I wasn't there. Oh. Otherwise, it might have. Oh. This is the David Allen Show, and we're going somewhere creepy here. Nayara Tarella Isley, a former radar tracking officer for the U.S. Air Force, recalled the bizarre and shocking incidents to follow under hypnosis. A former U.S. Air Force worker has claimed that she was abducted by reptile aliens who raped her on the moon countless times. Nayara Tesla Isley, who worked as a radar traffic officer, said she was snatched by a, quote, humanoid with a tail and taken to a secret base on the far side of the moon. Wow. While there, she was made to have sex with aliens and lift boxes. Miss Isley told how she worked at the Tonopah Test Range in Nevada, but said she could recall very little detail about her time there. She claimed security guards raped her in front of an audience 
after she was jabbed in the neck with a mystery drug while in an underground lair. And then she was raped on the moon, she said. Miss Isley described the bizarre one and shocking the other. series of incidents under hypnosis, so it's truth, in taped interviews with Aquarian Radio. She claimed she was taken into space eight to ten times over several months when she was 25. She said the aliens put her to work, having her, opera- having her operate electronic machinery to excavate the darkest parts of the moon, describing how she was used for sex almost every night she was on the moon. She said she was regularly passed between the reptilians. In addition, she said gray aliens were present, helping with the work as well as human personnel in quotes, who were also forced to help the reptilians do their bidding on the moon. After the abduction, she said she couldn't remember much of what had happened, including aspects of her work, leading to her to leading her to think her memory had been wiped. The incident stopped in 1980, she said. Thank goodness. She sought hypnosis in an attempt to fill the holes in her memory, and it helped her uncover more details about the abuse she experienced on the moon. Describing her abductor, she said he was humanoid and did have a tail. She said he had yellow eyes with vertical slit pupils. On the dark side of the moon, she said there was a lot of sexual abuse. She also said there was excavation work to expand the military base. It was then that she had to carry out manual labor, including moving boxes. Miss Isley, a mum of one, this is from the mirror in Europe, now lives in Colorado, she said. At night, I wasn't allowed to sleep and was passed around for more sex. I was scared. I knew I had to get back to my daughter, so I was pretty compliant. I just didn't want to do anything that would get me killed. Many alien conspiracy theories suggest that the U.S. government is in on abductions, often helping the greys do the work. Theorists claim that is why officials have not fully investigated claims of their own employees and former staff. Huh. Well, how is that much different than this cultural appropriation bullcrap? Yeah. I mean, it's just as compelling. <laughs> I find that funny. That uh, It's hilarious. Yeah, well, that they would publish that. Uh, the Mirror. I know. I mean, not The Mirror. I know, but still... The mirror.co.uk. I mean, true under the heading aliens, so whatever. That would be funny mm-hmm. if, if you know, you had some friends and you would uh, who were in the theater department, and you decided to like go places and just act up crazy things and see how many things could actually get published. <laughs> wow. I think it's funny that they put her to work and made her move boxes. Yeah, I know. What? Of all the things. A dig a hole, something. So nope. they have move the technology boxes. to bring you to the moon, <laughs> but not they to move, move boxes. boxes yet. We can't figure mm-hmm. this one out. Right. <laughs> stupid, stupid aliens. Huh. All right. I think we have to go here. Where? Go. You're in a safe place. You're among friends. 
This is the David Allen Show. Um, oh, we got out of the Twilight Zone. Yikes. Whew. <laughs> During that little uh, interlude, uh, the peanut gallery said it's always interesting that the aliens always have sex with these people that they abduct. Yeah, I know. So what I want to know, what are the odds that these hypnotists that find this information out are actually having sex with these people? And then, and then oh no, look what we learned. And and we they learned it was an alien. They put a suggestion in their yeah. mind that they're mm-hmm. a reptilian. Yeah. Or that a reptilian is doing it. All you have to do is you see, close your eyes, put on the tail and the little <laughs> costume, and then okay, now you're you're now you're back. Go. And then there's this crazy guy. Now remember. Lift up oh, the box. One Pick up thing. that box. Yeah. <laughs> one more thing. Can you move these boxes over there, please? <laughs> yeah. He's moving into a new office, right, so he right. hypnotizes her. <laughs> the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis. That was horribly callous. Nice, nice segue. Anyways. <laughs> um... Walker Art Center. May 27, which is today at 2.45. This was published in the Star Tribune online. Mm, Yeah. Reputable. The uh, headline, Walker Art Center director regrets not discussing a, quote, difficult new sculpture with American Indians. All right. The Walker Art Center's executive director expressed regret Friday to Friday, but yesterday. Um, to Minnesota's uh, American Indian communities over tensions raised by a new sculpture titled Scaffold, a gallows-inspired work based in part on the hanging of 38 Dakota tribe members in Mankota in 1862. Mankato. Yeah, what did I say? Mankota. <laughs> Backwards, sorry, Mankato. Uh, it will debut at the Minneapolis Sculpture Garden June 3rd next week. Quote, I should have engaged leaders in the Dakota and broader native communities in advance of the work citing, and I apologize for any pain and disappointment that the sculpture might elicit. Olga Viso wrote in an open letter to The Circle, a oh, Twin God. Cities newspaper that serves the American Indian community. Several protesters gathered Friday outside the garden, which is still under construction, signs posted on the chain link fence read not your story and hate crime it's five generations ago and really we have to realize that 1862 was not that long ago said sasha houston brown who is dakota i think it should publicly be taken down so we can see it come down it's really traumatizing for our people to look at that and have it just appear without any warning or idea that they were doing this and it's not art to us Gracie Horn, an artist who is Sisseton Wapaton Dakota slash Hunk Papa Dakota, so she must be a combination of the two, was dropping thick red paint onto magazine pages and then slathering it onto a sign that described Scaffold's artist Sam Durant as a cultural genocide opportunist. Horn said one of her material relatives was sent to prison maternal, sorry, maternal relatives, was sent to prison for life in Sioux City, Iowa, along with warriors who were not executed, and on her father's side, a relative was hung. Scaffold by Durant a Los Angeles of Los Angeles is one of 18 new additions to the garden. It looks like a viewing station or a wooden jungle gym, but the design is actually a composite of the gallows used in seven U.S. government-sanctioned executions, 
from 1859 hanging of abolitionist John Brown to 2006 execution of former Iraqi President Saddam Hussein. The hanging of the Dakota 38 after the U.S.-Dakota War in Minnesota was the largest mass execution in U.S. history. Well, that's interesting in itself, that that's the that that would be a reason that it's built into this kind of weird display. We recognize the decision to exhibit this work might cause some to question the Walker's sensitivity to native audiences and audiences in Minnesota more familiar with this dark history. Viso wrote, Durant could not be reached for comment Friday, but in a video discussing the work for the Scottish sculptured park Jupiter Artland, he said, It's been really exciting and interesting to see how effective and interesting it is in generating conversations. Huh. He said the piece touches, quote, on a really important aspect of U.S. history that we don't like to acknowledge, which is the history of lynching. You don't usually get to stand on top of an artwork and have a conversation. Viso said uh, she first encountered Scaffold in a sculpture park in Europe five years ago. I saw a potent artistic sta- a potent artistic statement about the ethics of capital punishment, she said. Most importantly, I recognized its capacity to address the buried histories of violence in this country, in particular raising needed awareness among white audiences. I knew this could be a difficult artwork on many levels. Yet despite my and the Walker's earnest intent to raise understanding and increase awareness of this and other histories in our American democracy, the work remains problematic in our community in ways that we did not sufficiently anticipate or imagine. Viso said she hopes the moment, quote, will foster critical and productive conversations around the complex questions the artist brings forth and help the Walker be a more sensitive and inclusive institution. The center's next steps, quote, will be decided in consultation with community members who elect to be involved in this process. We recognize that our work moving forward must be done with the guidance of the Dakota community. It must be. Horn said Viso should meet with elders... Uh, Elders Chief Arvel, Looking Horse, Paula Horn, Belinda Joe, Pretty Sounding Flute, uh, Nancy Smith, <laughs> Melvin Lee Brown, and Faith Spotted Eagle. That's not their name. <laughs> That's absolutely what they wrote. We were not consulted in the first place, and we want our true representation to come from the elders who have the stories. Horn said, the irony is that they have been talking about this their whole lives and nobody listened to them. Horn said, there will be another protest action at the Walker on Memorial Day, as well as a boycott of the Walker on June 2nd, the night before the opening. Hold it. Yeah. Did that say spread eagle? Spotted. Spotted. (laughs) Spotted. (laughs) Yep. Nope. (laughs) Spread eagle is a long, what is it, a ski jump? term (laughs) (laughs) all right on to some seriousness i um i find it interesting um Mm. i mean i vaguely remember about the dakota war and i i think i remember hearing about them um hanging some native americans or whatever but i you know this doesn't impact me and there's not any like sphere of influence that I would typically know much about this. So, you know, I was reading up on it and 
Um, well, l- l- let me read a couple paragraphs of why I am wanted to talk about it today. Oh, okay. <clears throat> a friend of mine in Sioux Falls posted this, um, a fairly long post about it, and a couple of the art, a couple of the, the uh, paragraphs he wrote. Um, uh, said President Lincoln himself would recount that he was, quote, anxious to not act with so much clemency as to encourage another outbreak on one hand, nor with so much severity as to be real cruelty on the other. When his initial standard would have resulted only in two executions, clearly reflecting too much clemency, he changed the rules and expanded the definition to increase the number to 38, which we can assume he didn't see as real cruelty. The same country that would send Confederates home to their farms that that same decade to build monuments to their generals, convicted and executed people who at best were prisoners of war and at worst were guilty only of the crime of a different culture and language and appearance. This is not distance, but for many people it was forgotten and the ignorance sincere. And so we have built a playground for children to play on and millennials to Instagram in the shape and form of what should be our deepest shame. This is not an, and this is not a time for solicitations or conversation or cautious consideration on the part of the institution that has underwritten the second injustice. The gallows must be removed shamefully and publicly, and then the space must be created for the stories of our history, their story to be told and heard by those who still remember them vividly and live them to this day. Okay. I, you know... What I was going to say is that I I read a little bit about what what happened at that time. And there was a couple couple things that went through my mind. And one is I wouldn't have known anything about this incident had this had they not protested. Mm-hmm. So in one sense their protest even though I feel is absurd, um, because it's it's good in one sense, because it is a you know people are going to to read more into mm-hmm. this and what actually mm-hmm. happened, and they're they're going to be able to see that at least at the beginning, what led up to this war was just a horrible mistreatment of Native Americans. And I think anybody who looks at the history would go, yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I, look what we did to these people. Okay. However, on the flip side, the people that got hung didn't get hung because they were out picking berries and they grabbed them and just kind of strung them up because they were Native Americans. I mean, they killed hundreds of settlers whose only crime was just being a settler Mm -hmm. and in horrific ways. Like one 13 year old boy saw his sister who was pregnant, get her baby ripped out from her and then nailed to a tree, a baby nailed to the tree. So of course there's that Mm -hmm. when you push people or you mistreat people to a certain point that they're going to snap, they're going to snap. However, that doesn't justify what actually happened. Um, all that to say, it's it's a 
I mean, you feel, feel bad for how they were mistreated horribly. Prior to that. Prior to that, right. exactly. But but this execution was theoretically justified. Yes. Yeah. For those that, for that actually basically war crimes. Right. You know. Um, this same guy posted the uh, New York Times article from December 1862, <coughs> which I, I kind of find, I don't know, I, I want to I read it and then I want to talk about where we are as a society now mm-hmm. um, and what's allowed, mm-hmm. what we're allowed to see. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about the scaffolding, the structure of the scaffold, and then the execution. And so this from the... Uh, apparently, at least from the New York Times in 1862. At the appointed time for the execution, there were more people congregated at Mankato than ever were there before at one time. Every convenient place from which to view the tragic scene was soon appropriated. The street was full, the housetops were literally crowded, and every available space place was occupied. There were, there were from three to 5,000 persons present. The reports of a prob probable attempt by a mob to take possession of the remaining prisoners and inflict summary punishment on them induced the authorities to provide a large military force for protection. Accordingly, the 6th Minnesota Colonel Averill, the 7th Colonel Miller, and 9th Colonel Wilkin, in all about 1,500 men were detailed for special duty at the execution. Major Buell, with a company of cavalry, did efficient service in keeping the crowd back from too close proximity to the awful scene. The infantry formed three sides of a hollow square, starting from each side of the jail and enclosing the scaffold, the front of the jail thus forming the the fourth side of the square. From the door at the extreme northern entrance to the place where the culprits were confined, to the steps at the foot of the gallows, two companies were drawn up, one on either side, forming a gradual path through which the prisoners must pass to the scaffold. Precisely at the time announced, 10 a.m., a company without arms entered the prisoners' quarters to escort them to their doom. Instead of any shrinking or resistance, all were ready and even seemed eager to meet their fate. Rudely, they jostled against each other as they rushed from the doorway, ran the gauntlet of the troops, and clambered up the steps to the treacherous drop. As they came up and reached the platform, they filed right and left, and each one took his position as though they had rehearsed the program. Standing around the platform, they formed a square, and each one was directly under the fatal noose. Their caps were now drawn over their eyes, and the halter placed around their neck. Several of them, feeling uncomfortable, made severe efforts to loosen the rope, and some, after the most dreadful contortions, partially uh, partially succeeded. The signal to cut the rope was three taps of the drum. All things being ready, the first tap was given. When the poor wretches made such frantic efforts to grasp each other's hands that it was agony to behold them, each one shouted out his name, that his comrades might know he was there. The second tap resounded in the air. The vast multitude were breathless with the awful surroundings of this solemn occasion. Again, the doleful tap breaks on the stillness of the scene. Click! Goes the sharp axe, and the descending platform leaves the bodies of 38 human beings dangling in the air. The greater part died instantly. Some few struggled violently, and one of the ropes broke sent its burden with a heavy dull or with a heavy dull crash to the platform beneath a new rope was procured and the body again swung up to its place 
and it was an awful sight to behold 38 human beings suspended in the air on the bank of the beautiful Minnesota, above the smiling clear blue sky, beneath and around the silent thousands, hushed to a deathly silence by the chilling scene before them, while the bayonets bristling in the sunlight added to the importance of the occasion. I think what stood out to me the most about that, and I want to really dig into this, this event because I'm fascinated now, but more by thousands of people watching came it. out and were allowed mm-hmm. to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where we have become as a society where we are not allowed to see punishment anymore. We're not allowed to see consequences of actions anymore. Everything is quiet because it, 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 it hurts. It's mean. It's not nice. And so we're not allowed to see it. The media has determined what we can and cannot under, handle and understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, going thinking of the French Revolution, they drug those people out in the street and cut their heads off mm-hmm. to a crowd. Hangings, execution was part of the. It was part of the culture. It was part of the society, and not not necessarily for fun. Where I mean, you can go back. I mean, in Roman times and back farther. Well, look at where, the cross. Well, yeah, where it was a fun. You know, it, it was a spectacle. It was entertainment. I mean, the Colosseum, that was entertainment. That's not this, though. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've gotten so babied and pampered, and we've allowed the media to baby us so that we are not allowed. We don't have the capacity anymore to see the consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. And to see what actual punishment is. If if you back in back in history, if you stole something, you lost your hand. But they don't. We've been secularized. We don't. I mean, our society, even though it might say it's Judeo-Christian, they don't really believe it anymore when it comes to the criminal justice no. system. And so, punishment is. I mean, really, if they're going to be consistent. There's no point in punishment because everything that you do is already determined by your genetics, by chemical processes that happen in your head, mm-hmm. by experiences that you've experienced, good, bad, indifferent, throughout your life. So you are just, you're an animal who is responding to your genes and your environment, and so you did what you did. So... It's more like quarantine for, I think a lot of people look at it more like quarantine than punishment. Because people, if they commit crimes, are they really... To to, to punish somebody would say that you know something was wrong and you've done something wrong. But if our society has gotten to the point where there is really no such thing as right or wrong, there's legal and illegal, mm-hmm. but not necessarily right or wrong... I mean, they're not going to punish. Mm-hmm. And now, 
in states where there is execution, the only people they could see see it happen are like the family of the victims if they want to. Right. And even that's like a lot of times they'll shield that. Even yeah. You can see them right before and then they shut it down. <clears throat> so yeah. you don't see them die. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not some morbid and well, maybe this is part of the conditioning that I would even think that that would be the reason that it's some morbid thing. We want to go watch someone die. But I mean, it's only been re- fairly recently in history mm-hmm. that the execution concept for crimes um, has not been allowed to be public mm-hmm. and allowed to be an open visual thing. And I I don't know if that's where we should go, but I'm more troubled by the idea that we're not allowed, like th- that's not allowed anymore. Everything is subjective to such a degree that that's not even an option. Well, I, in some ways, I don't know what you think about this, but... If you're going to have a culture where there are no values, mm-hmm. you probably don't want capital punishment. Oh, uh, I, totally. Yeah. So, okay, in that so sense, then, it's good. But, but were we at a different moral time? Well, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but n- now if someone, you know, shoots up a an arena, mm-hmm. shoots up a theater, hacks people up, you just oh yeah, it's bad. Well, consider you go to jail. Consider Europe in, in Norway. That that one guy went on that island and killed eighty mm-hmm. some kids. Mm-hmm. He got twenty years in prison. Yeah, that's it. That's the most that they can give. So they are being super consistent. Although it's not like America at the end of twenty years, if they still think he's dangerous, they can keep him in. So it's not so in effect. It'll probably be. Well, I don't know. Maybe who knows? Maybe who knows? So we're we're in between Europe and the eighteen hundreds right now. We're not I don't know. It just it it it, it was like I've been struggling all day trying to figure out where, you know, at what point did we did we lose the ability to see evil and actually consume it and you know not 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 in a way that and i don't mean like to, to be it but mm-hmm. you know to visually see that mm-hmm. i mean what kind of society could we have perhaps if i mean if right and wrong mattered mm-hmm. and if people that are that egregious and do that kind of thing where they would slaughter other people now maybe we'd have to kill a whole lot of people but it it's that it i think it, for me it's the it's this thing that well no we can't let people look because don't look it's like it's you can't, indecent yeah. or something yeah it's it you can't handle it mm-hmm. but it's gone so far to the point where they won't even let let us hear someone talking on a nine one one call because oh it's terrible you can't you can't handle it is it is it almost like the infantile infantilization of society where everybody's yeah. a baby yeah. and you you can't handle the truth and so here. Go watch your sports. Here's the TV show you can watch. Mm-hmm. And here's some beer. Mm-hmm. Here are the things. And oh, when you feel bad, here's a drug that's going to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And you feel bad? Oh, you're justified feeling bad. Yeah. Oh, you're a woman? Oh, okay. Well, I, I thought it was in... Oh, you're a man? Okay. They they held the Native Americans to a different... Like if a bunch of Jews showed up and there was a Holocaust thing, mm-hmm. I mean, th- what happened to the Jews 
was orders of magnitude worse than what happened to the Native Americans. I mean, you can say whatever you want, mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't a deliberate, <clears throat> systematic program to el completely eliminate. I'm not saying that it was good. I mean, evil is evil, yeah. but there are depths that they went to depths that America never went to. And this was, you know, 70 years ago. And you have Schindler, you have all these programs that talk about it, and you don't see anybody protesting. Mm -hmm. You know, how dare you? Right. I mean, th there are people alive right now whose parents died, whose brother and sister died, who their entire family <laughs> died, and they were there and survived, and they're not protesting. So at a yeah. certain point, I th I thought it was strange that they were that they were protesting it because the greater good of showing this is uh, illuminating how they've been treated. So I yeah. would think that it would be right. a better thing to show it to let everybody know how crappy yeah. the U.S. treated Native Americans. Well, and you know that that in my mind is another conversation that I mean, it, at some point, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to have some of the thoughts that I think I have because, well, how dare you? But part of it, and I'll do this because I can, and I think Jay has, we've talked quite a bit off off air about this kind of thing, but, you know, everyone's upset because supposedly I wasn't there, so I'm going based on what someone has written. The white, white man came to American shores and then took the land mm -hmm. over time, mm -hmm. killed the people that were here, if mm -hmm. need be, rounded mm -hmm. them up. Now, how is that any different than what happened all over Europe over the centuries? For thousands of years. Or the Barnaby pirates yeah. who took over right. a million Europeans as slaves to Northern Africa. Right. And yeah. nobody is whining. I the wrong word. No one is upset and protesting. Those coups, let's say, I mean, you go out. I mean, there was the, the fighting time where you went to war. You mm -hmm. went out. And what was the point of war? To get more land. Mm -hmm. To take land and take resources. Mm -hmm. That's how it was. When we came to America, what was the point of trying to find the new world? Was it for resources? Was it to get away from things? Why, why did we, why did Columbus sail? But, and then, but another one of your points, and I'm, I don't know if you're probably going to get there, is that the Native American tribes were not peaceful, loving oh, no. people that sang songs and skipped around. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would enslave other tribes. They would kill other tribes. Well, and they did the same thing to each other. And so a tribe would come and they would fight and they would kill them and they would mm -hmm. take their land. They would take it mm -hmm. and claim it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think what I don't quite understand is why do I, as a, a white American. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't there. I did I've never hurt anybody mm -hmm. from what I can from what I know. Why am I not allowed to believe history mm -hmm. and to to be kind of proud of America at some level when I should in theory, now that I live in South Dakota, I should be shameful. I should like not even I, it's almost like I should give up the shirt on my back because their land got taken by another con another group of people mm -hmm. when within each within their own 
Native American cultures, they did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Custer National Park. National? State. State. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, out there. You know, the whole Black Hills. You know, that area was cordoned off, and then America took it. True. Part of the issue there is there was a treaty signed, and if right or wrong, there was a treaty signed. And so the treaty said that that would be set apart mm-hmm. for the Indians or for mm-hmm. whoever, whichever tribe that it was, I don't remember. That was set apart for them. And America wouldn't touch it. Well, until they found gold and then they went and took it. Okay. So they reneged. They went out, went back on their word. Mm-hmm. Good or bad. I don't know if I love that idea because then they ended up lying, but well, it was bad. How, but... how, how come that one thing bad is the one thing that's bad, but all the other bad isn't bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't quite understand. But don't you think that behind all of this is to undermine the Judeo-Christian capitalistic society of the United States of America by any way possible? Chip away at the foundations to destroy it. And they're using Probably. whatever they can as a pretext to destroy the foundations. It's feasible, yeah. I would think that's why all this is going on. Hmm. I don't know. I I just don't know. I don't know what to think. And it's and a I, cultural I have, suicide, is what's going on yeah. right now. Oh, I think so. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time taking anybody seriously who Isn't. is white. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe who isn't? Maybe. But I have a hard time taking anyone seriously who is jumping on the bandwagon of protest mm-hmm. strictly because it's a protest. Mm-hmm. And, well, oh, the Native Americans, they, they, they got robbed. Yeah, they did. So? I could, I could respect them if they were consistent. Mm-hmm. And this is another reason why I believe it's it's trying to systematically destroy foundations is because they're hypocritical, like the Palestinians. They'll be, you know, they'll they'll go one way with one culture, they'll go the opposite way with another with the other culture because it supports their idea that America is bad. Mm-hmm. They want to destroy America, and they're hypocritical across the board. And that's the only thing they're consistent about is being hypocritical. And so I, I can't take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had people come out and they were consistent across the board, I could take it seriously and I could respect that. But I can't respect, you know, that misappropriation stuff. Those are just useful idiots that are being used by other people. <laughs> I mean, they're all idiots. Yeah. That are They're all useful idiots. Yeah. Hmm. What doth the peanut gallery say? <laughs> what? Oh, what? The bus is here? Oh. There was a time, I don't remember how long ago it was. <clears throat> Many moons Eight, ago. 1800s. This is when there were trains. And somebody. You had this wild hair that they wouldn't it be cool to run two trains into each other, <clears throat> and they did that. They put them, you know, far apart, and they took off. 
and there was thousands of people to watch that. Huh. Um, <clears throat> 200,000 people set up at uh, the Indy 500, the NASCAR races, Daytona 500. Are they looking to see who's going to win, or are they looking to see if there's going to be a wreck? When they're having the, the bull riders, do you want to see, will he make it eight seconds, or will he get gored mm -hmm. or kicked in the head? Yeah. They call them wrecks when the when the bull wins. Um, because the bull almost always wins, right? Mm-hmm. Well, unless you're in Mexico. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, that ultimately they lose. Public executions. No, we don't do that anymore. Um, why do people go? Are they? What is it that makes? There's a tangled mess of metal, and smoke and steam, and flashing lights. We slow down. What is that? And here's a piece of a body part. Mm-hmm. Whoa. What is that that makes us see that? Mm-hmm. We don't... Most people, I don't think, don't turn away from that. They're drawn to it. Mm-hmm. You're in downtown skyscrapers. There's a guy up there on the in the window. He's going to jump. People don't run away from that. Watch. Yeah. I don't know what that is that makes people run to spectacle. Um, it's a subject for thought. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> is that, is it bloodlust? Well, I'm sure there's like, why does anybody join the military, like in the infantry or special forces or whatever? There's a part of them that I think probably the biggest thing is to test themselves and to see if they have what it takes. But anybody who goes into that goes into it ultimately with the goal of being tested in combat or, um, yeah. When the big buildings in New York fell down. <clears throat> How many people were at home watching it on TV? Most of them. Oh, yeah. I want to see what happened. I want to see <clears throat> some loon shot 10 people at a college where I used to live. Mm -hmm. And I remember I heard it on the radio as I pulled into a, a place where I worked, and we got it on the phones and... We didn't do much work that day because we were listening. Well, um, true. I don't know what that is in a human that wants to see that stuff. It's kind of, <clears throat> it's weird. Is that a bad thing of people or is it normal? Just part of, I don't know. If it was more visible, I wonder what kind of society we would have. And you know, yeah. I mainly think the the punishment side of it. If punishment was public, 
And, well, don't and, you think? And, and, if, but that could be more than I mean, more than just capital. I mean, it could be, um, you know, public canings. I mean, th- there could be um, humiliation, like public humiliation as a result, as a consequence of a violation. Well, in order for it to be good, don't you think it would have to be relatively swift and consistent? Without doubt. But anytime that to me, that's like the the fly in the ointment is um, potential inconsistency and, you know, because like you, what happened here with these with these Native Americans who were hung, um, there's a, a handful of people in the interior, Indian affairs or whatever, who propagated, who started this whole thing. And it all happened during when the Civil War, like in 1962, was hit. So nobody was 18. watching, or 1862. Mm-hmm. And so they were stealing blind. In some sense, the people that instigated this should be hanging along with mm-hmm. the people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. What do you call that if if, if a law enforcement um, baits a criminal? What's that called? Oh, uh, entrapment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not legal. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. But is it right? What, to entrap? Yeah, or wrong. We're talking legal and not le- and illegal or right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, it, it, is that the same thing? And I, I think that's a good conversation to have. I don't... I mean, the, the, they're not always the same. Oh, they can't... Yeah, they're not. I mean, look, Nuremberg trials established internationally mm-hmm. that legal and right are two different things and they were held accountable because they didn't do the right thing they did the legal thing but they didn't do the right thing anytime in in the military if if your commanding officer tells you to shoot an unarmed person and you do it you're going to be you know when they find out you're going to be charged because you might have followed an order that you're supposed to but it wasn't a legal well I suppose in that case it's legality there you'd be following you would not be following a legal order so yeah I guess that's probably not the best example but you know what I mean it was legal and okay to kill Jews so yeah. it doesn't make it right yeah hmm. so should there be any history about uh, Robert E. Lee no take it down oh, he was a good man so, why? Because he was a Confederate <clears throat> general? Well, they just ripped a statue down, down in Louisiana, right? Oh, they did? <clears throat> yeah. 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 No, the government did. Yeah. Because we can't have that. Yeah, we I can't guess. memorialize his, our history. If you take that to the end, you'll end up with... Um, Empty books? Well, when <laughs> when the kid would say to the dad... What was the Civil War about? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to know, or or my grandfather used to know, or his, you know, if you hide all those shameful things, but if you're, if you live off of that slavery history and you eliminate it, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. What is slavery? I don't know what that is. 
started yeah. in America. Yeah. So so what? Why are you? Why are you whining about it? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. It's not in this. That's true. Anymore. If we wipe out the the con, the realities of what slavery was in our history, mm-hmm. wipe that away. Let's cover it up because we can't look at it anymore because it's bad. Well, how many generations does it take for that to then not be history anymore? And then mm-hmm. that that makes all these these people of color who are riding that bandwagon, they all of a sudden just rip the wheels off their wagon. They don't have they don't have a cart anymore. Well, it can't it can't last. I mean, it can't last the way it's going because it's inconsistent with life and everything else. It's going to come to an end or it's just going to to total yeah, I mean, it'll be like South Africa where it's just just horrific. A lot of these things, I think, is an indication of why we have the president we do. Yes, just about, yes. Just mm-hmm. about everybody can say, that's what, he's an odd guy. Mm-hmm. Whether you like him or you don't like him, he's odd. How was he able to become the president because of all this over-pushing? Yeah. This crazy, crazy stuff. Because nobody, when the pollsters came out, nobody would say how they feel. But when nobody's watching, then they could say, mm-hmm. when it becomes illegal to sell a tortilla, unless you're Mexican, Mm-mm. unless you're people of color, or whatever, um, Jay's Mexican. People oh, will crap, say, you're right. People like you're will people say, of color. enough. Mm-hmm. We're not going to stand for it, and most people aren't are going to take up arms and revolt. We still have the ballot box. People will revolt that kind way. of, yeah, sort of. I mean, <clears throat> if it's fixed, um, Trump wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. I also think that the more that they push like this and act this way, eventually, it it's going to bite them. They can't. You can't build. You can't build anything positive or anything substantial when everything that you say is negative and is against the other person. Now that might affect a, a race, but I don't think that I don't think this is going to bold well with them because the idiots that wrote that thing, maybe not them, but a bunch of those useful idiots, they're going to grow up and potentially have jobs and children and their whole opinion is going to change. And they're no longer going to want to live in the middle of the city. They're going to want to live in the suburb where life is easier, and they're going to want nicer schools, so they're not going to want... I mean, it's just the arrogance of youth and being brainwashed. Yep. So let's shut down the uh, <laughs> the online sex registry. Those <laughs> <laughs> more people are gonna die. Well, nobody died. Let's get their head beat in, right? Bashed in. Sorry, sorry. Bashed in. When I walked into the Chappaqua dining room, in which Hillary Clinton is spending her days working on her new book. I'm greeted by a vision from the past. Wearing no makeup, 
and giant Coke bottle glasses dressed in a gray mock turtleneck and black zip sweatshirt. Hillary looks less Clinton and more Rodham than I have ever seen her outside of college photographs. In the glass, it's the glasses, probably, that work to make her face look rounder, or maybe just the bareness of her skin. Hold she it. Looks, she is 0% Clinton in looks. She's yeah. a Rodham. She married a guy. Yep. Now, you talk about her daughter. Okay, she can look Rodham and Clinton, but Hillary can only look... Hey. <laughs> Carry on. She looks <laughs> not like the woman who's familiar from television, from newspapers, from America of the past 25 years, but like the 69-year-old version of the young woman who came to the national stage with a wackadoodle Wellesley commencement speech in 1969 with no more races to run, no more voters to woo with fancy hair. Clinton appears now as she might have if she'd aged in nature and not in the crucible of American politics. Still, this is not Hillary of the Woods. She is re-emerging, giving speeches and interviews. It's clear that she's making an active choice to remain a public figure. It's the day after Donald Trump has fired FBI Director James Comey, the man who many, including Clinton, believe is responsible for the fact that she is spending this Wednesday in May working at a dining room table in Chappaqua and not in the Oval Office. Clinton checks with her communications director, Nick Merrill, about what's happening in the past hour. She's been exercising and listens to the barrage of updates, nodding like a person whose job requires her to be up to date on what's happening, even though it does not. I'm less surprised than I'm worried, she says, of the Comey firing. Not that he shouldn't have been disciplined, and I certainly, and certainly the Trump campaign relished everything that was done to me in July, and then particularly in October, but having said that, I think what's going on now is an effort to derail and bury the Russia inquiry, and I think that's terrible for our country. It will be days before newspapers report that Trump asked Comey to move away from the Russia investigation prior to firing him, but the implications are already clear. Hi history, says Clinton, will judge whoever's in Congress now as how they respond to what was an attack on our country. It wasn't the kind of horrible physical attack we saw on 9-11 or Pearl Harbor, but it was an attack by an aggressive adversary. So who's this knucklehead? Who had been probing for many years to figure out how to undermine our democracy, influence our politics, even our elections. Her hope in the wake of Comey's dismissal is that this abrupt and distressing action will raise enough questions in the minds of Republicans for them to conclude that it is worthy of careful attention, because left unchecked, this will not just bite Democrats or me, this will undermine our electoral system. <gasps> that Rebecca Traister of written in The New Yorker yesterday Ugh. I so is this attempt like with Barry like now coming out and you know opining and uh, Clinton now doing these speeches and interviews is this is this just them trying to bask in some sort of light because the mainstream media has just been huffing and puffing that panicking that they lost? Is this just like a, a 
an attempt to stay relevant somehow. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, keep their their uh, their name out there. I mean, because <laughs> I I find it hard to believe that she thinks that she'll ever win any other public off. I mean, maybe she could win Senate again or something like that, but why would she want that? She's power hungry and evil. I don't know. Just maybe they, they love being fond over her. I don't know. That's got to be it. I just... Ugh. This is the David Allen Show on this Memorial Day. Memorial week- Day? Weekend. Wow. And... Come on, really? 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 There are days that I guess I, at some point, am proud. But this is the David Allen Show. Any last words? I think that crime is bad. Excellent. I think... Yeah, I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, this is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. If you are interested in more of this, we're on the Apple uh, iTunes, I guess. <laughs> the David Allen Show on the Google Play Store. Uh, if you can dig around and find it. Um, we should be back again uh, next week, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and yep. then as we go forward, the days that we're live, uh, we record live to tape. <laughs> Might change, but uh, we will be continuing this conversation Uh into the insanity of our current Ugh. culture. I hope you found some enjoyment, a little entertainment if possible. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, though. Um, and come back uh, come back next time. Do you have any last words? I just did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Peanut gallery? No. All right. Have a great uh, Memorial Weekend, everybody. If you're listening before uh, it's over. Otherwise, uh, say a prayer for those that are serving a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Toodles.